1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back to the show where every week we go exploring in the pursuit of awesome you can count on us to keep you informed of all the best, shiny things out there when we share our awesome of the week. In each episode, we also take your questions and bring you the answers you need to help you uncover all the awesome within your own life. I'm joined today by Kelly of LoveWellBlog.com, and this week we might just get your mouths watering because we are talking all about food. We're telling our kitchen stories and secrets this week, and we'll uncover how we plan, shop for, and prepare food for ourselves and our families. Two quick things before we start. Don't forget that this weekend is the Oklahoma City Sorta Awesome Hangout Meetup. Co-host Laura Tremaine and I are meeting up with the Sorta Awesome community right here in Oklahoma City at Blue Garden Food Truck on Sunday, September 20th at 4 o'clock. You can search on Facebook for the Sorta Awesome Hangout OKC event page to find more details. And we so hope that if you are close enough to come and meet us on Sunday in Oklahoma City, that you'll come down and say hi. I also want to take one quick moment to let you know that September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Unfortunately, I have several very dear friends who know all too well how devastating it is for a child to receive a cancer diagnosis. Currently in the U.S., 1 in 285 children under the age of 20 will have cancer. A month of advocacy is so important because less than 4% of federal funding for cancer research is dedicated to childhood cancer research. And pharmaceutical companies allocate very, very little of their funding for developing childhood cancer drugs. That's why organizations like stbaldrix.org are leading the way with fundraising to fill that gap with funds used exclusively for childhood cancer research. I want to challenge you to join me in September by wearing gold for childhood cancer awareness. You can join St. Jude's Hospital in spreading the word by sharing your gold on social media and using the hashtag show your gold. I'll have more links for how you can use the rest of September to advocate for childhood cancer awareness in the show notes. Now we're going to start the show the way we always do with Awesome of the Week, and Kelly, I know you are ready to get us started. I am, and my Awesome of the Week is kind
1: of personal, so it may not be applicable to everybody, but it is a really big deal in my life, and it is definitely the sort of awesome going on right now, and it is that this year, for the first time in 14 years, all of my kids are in school all day, every day. Woohoo! Hallelujah, yes. <laughs> this has been a very long time coming, and I, of course, friends have said, how are you doing? And I said, I, mixed emotions, of course. You know, my sure. baby goes to kindergarten. And simultaneously this year, I've mentioned this, I think, on another podcast, my oldest Is starting high school and my second is starting middle school so this is the fall of the big t transitions for us so the biggest one for me personally is just that now all of a sudden i have all of this time you know i have been a stay-at-home mom for 14 years largely i've done some small things on the side but mostly just been here with my kids I would have laughed and been mortified if I had known that was my future when I was in my 20s, so did not want that to be a part of my life. But they've been such sweet years. I've had way more fun than I would have ever thought.
0: Yeah. That said,
1: (laughs) I'm also kind of excited to get into this next chapter. So it's a big sort of awesome to all of a sudden be here in my house or be able to go do things. Um, Last year, Kieran, my youngest, had preschool three mornings a week. And even that was quite revolutionary to have that time to be able to go. My husband and I started to go on dates in the morning. Right. So he travels for work. But if he was here on a Monday or a Friday, when he had preschool, Kieran, we would go for breakfast and that would be our date. And we didn't have to pay a sitter. <laughs> it was amazing, you know, and just yes. to go to Target or a doctor's appointment. Good grief. If I could tell you the horribly embarrassing stories of having to take toddlers to my OB appointments, <laughs> you know, right. sit over on that side of the curtain child and, and, you know, really be interested in Paw Patrol, please. And they're like, mommy, what's don't look, <laughs> St- stay over there. Thanks. So all of this freedom, all this freedom, right? But here's the funny thing. And this is what makes this sort of awesome, a bonus or a double like squared sort of awesome. Because of conversations that you and I have had, other friends and I have had, I have learned so much in the last probably five years about what it means, whether it's Myers-Briggs or Enneagram, to be an extrovert. hmm Yes. And what happened last week, Thursday was our first day of kindergarten. It was my first day of having everybody in school. So this is only my third day is the day we're, or, that we're recording this, or fourth day. Um, I... Of course. like I was like, what am I going to do with my first real day of freedom? And what I did was, as soon as my kids got on the bus, I left to go to Target. I met my BFF for brunch. We sat outside on the patio. We talked nonstop. We ordered mimosas. We weren't done talking two hours later. So we're like, let's go for a walk. It was a beautiful fall day. So we went for a walk and talked some more. And then I raced home to be here for when my big kids got off the bus. It was so energizing. Oh my gosh. It sounds like heaven. Heaven. It really was. It was for me. But the the funny thing is, and I didn't really put two and two together is when I related this story to a friend, a mutual friend of ours, actually, who's an introvert. She laughed and said, I can see how you would love that. But for an introvert, all we want to do once our kids are (laughs) out of school is be alone in our own house (laughs) and not have to talk to anybody. (laughs) So it's funny because your first day of freedom, what you did with it so reflects who you are. It's and so I hadn't true. really thought about that. And of course, my my BFF is an extrovert too. So that was, of course, we were like, let's go get together. Um, but it just made me laugh. And it th- I thought, it's funny now knowing that about myself, that I'm an extrovert and how I get energy is by being around people. It helps me look at this next season of my life and see the purpose in it, see what I might want to do and what I don't want to do. Is be home alone. Right. In fact, I'm a little terrified. This is my first week of having, I think I added it up. It's like 30 plus hours all alone. And I'm like, okay, that'll be fun for about one week. Yes. And then what am I gonna do? Right. Um, so that's half of my motivation for going back out and I'm looking into, you know, possible career opportunities and all that stuff, is I don't want to be here alone. Where my introvert friends, who are also Speaking out of their own selves and knowing what's fulfilling and energizing for them are saying, "I just want to be alone." And I think sometimes they feel pressure for for wanting to be alone, which is kind of that. I think that's the smart thing. It's so good to learn about yourself and to learn about other people yes. and the differences
0: definitely that i am so i just i can't even imagine those days i did have a small little <laughs> tiny taste of it when the girls were both in school and i was pregnant with the twins of course i was so sick for most of that pregnancy and then when i wasn't sick anymore i was just so huge and miserable that i didn't get to quite Uh, extract all of the joy out of those moments that I could have. So I know that I'm just going to blink and the twins are going to be in school and I will probably be where you are now. Just like, what am I going to do with myself all these hours? So I love it. it. It's exciting. Thank you for sharing that. My awesome of the week, no surprise, is also related to personality stuff. Okay. It's actually the collision of a couple of things that I love to talk about and find myself talking about all the time, personality stuff, as well as a podcast. Okay. So I wanted to talk this week about the Personality Hacker Podcast. A couple of months ago, somebody in the sort of awesome hangout group on Facebook mentioned we were talking about personality stuff, as we often do in there. And someone said, have you been listening to the Personality Hacker podcast? I was like, no, there's, wait, what? There's a podcast and it's just about personality stuff. So I, of course, subscribed to it immediately and have been listening since then. But I wanted to point you all specifically to one episode of Personality Hacker Because it's a show that they've been producing it for quite a while. They're on episode 82. This is the one I wanted to point you uh, toward. And it's called, the name of this episode from Personality Hacker is Introvert Problems. (laughs) Okay. So on this episode of Personality Hacker, they brought on the woman who started the website Introvert Deer. And I think I've linked to several articles from there. I don't know if you've seen any of them. But her name is Jen Graneman, and she has started this website called Introvert Deer. I enjoy it a lot because, number one, I have lots of introverts in my circle of friends and family. I'm married to one. Um, 50% of my children are introverts. (laughs) So I find it really helpful. And she also writes about... um, highly sensitive people on there, which as I've talked about before on the show, I definitely am highly sensitive. So she's done a fantastic job of creating this community. So they had her come on the show. Personality Hacker, I should back up just a bit to say, is hosted by um, a married couple, Joel Mark Witt and Antonia Dodge. Uh, Joel is an ENFP, like you and I are, and Antonia is an ENTP. And so they, uh, they actually have developed... A system of personal development for every type. So they have built a system that's based on Myers-Briggs, but they've kind of tweaked it and renamed a few things to really draw out from Myers-Briggs something that I have talked about before in the past. One of the downfalls, I think, sometimes when you're really into Myers-Briggs is it does a great job of allowing you to understand how and why you see the world the way you do and and why you respond to the world the way you do but it's kind of lacking in the area of personal development which is why I really like Enneagram because Enneagrams really focused on becoming the healthiest version of yourself but Myers-Briggs not so much but what they have done Joel and Antonia have created the system. They do personal coaching. They do corporate coaching. They do consulting. They've got all kinds of stuff. They have this website and they have the podcast. So they talk about all different aspects of personality systems and typing and developing to become the best that you can be within how your brain is wired. So in episode 82, they have Jen of Introvert Dear Come On. And she, again, the name of the episode is introvert problems. She talks about the science of introversion and extroversion. And one part that I thought was really fascinating, I mean, it's not that long of an episode, but the my favorite part was where she begins to talk about how science has shown that introvert brains are wired to bring information in and store it in long-term memory. Whereas hmm. extrovert brains tend to be more wired to Accessing information and it comes through the brain, and it's a more short term memory based uh, storage system for extrovert brains, which really made sense for me because I'm an extrovert and I have the worst long term memory. I feel like you do. I, I do too. Yes. Okay,
1: Like it's embarrassing almost. <laughs> me and I'm too. so glad that I'm married to, I guess, now knowing an introvert because I'll say, What was that? And he will remember it. Yes. So yes. much better than I, that's why I used to blog was because I, I had know. to write
0: these things down to remember them. He just <laughs> remembers them. His blog is his brain. That is the same for us. Kyle will say, do you remember that guy we went to college with? And he'll name somebody off and I'll be like, I've never heard that name before in my life. <laughs>
1: Are you sure you're – and now you know enough to know that he is probably remembering it correctly versus you saying, uh, you are making this up. And now you're like, no, I probably really just don't remember.
0: I really do not remember. And his brain is set up to remember. He will also do that. I don't know if Corey does this, but Kyle can remember lines from movies that we saw like 20 years ago. And he can quote it word for word. And I'll be like – What's that? What's that from? I'm always asking about because it sounds vaguely familiar, but uh... we actually play a
1: game at dinner. It's one of my kids' favorite games. They want to play the movie line game. And someone says a line from a movie and you're supposed to guess what it is. Number one, I am not a competitive person. I don't care about games that much. (laughs) So they're like, oh, oh, let's play movie line game. And I'm going Oh, Again. that's not. <laughs> but, you know, will think of these lines and he's looking at me like, you know this one. And unless it's The Princess Bride, which sunk in so long ago, I'm clueless. I'm always like, um Bolt, Frozen. I don't know. <laughs> just name it. Toy Story, right one, to two, these. three. You know, it's just embarrassing. Yes, he has an incredible brain and mind to store all those little details,
0: right? Yes. Well, as it turns out, because and now I know this, because I listened to this episode 82 from Personality Hacker, we can let ourselves off the hook and just be at peace with knowing our extroverted brains are just not set up with that kind of memory storage. And so that was really fascinating to me. The whole episode is really great. Again, I have a lot of people in my life who are introverts. And I think it really... When you begin to recognize your children's personality types and persuasions, I think it makes such a huge difference. I want to be able to parent each of my children in the way that best suits their needs. And understanding how introvert brains work is a huge part of that. So it is a fascinating episode um, of a great podcast. Again, I recommend the podcast across the board because I can totally listen to this stuff forever and have conversations about it. But even if that's not your thing, I really encourage you to check out this one episode number 82. And and again, they have a great website. I'll put all of this information into the show notes so that you all can go check it out for yourselves, but they are just doing really fantastic work there. So big thumbs up. Awesome of the week for sure. So this week, we are going to talk about food. We thought this would be a fun episode to cover right now, Um, especially as, you know, here we are in the middle of September, and before you know it, the holidays are going to be barreling towards us, which is food extravaganza time for most families and most people and workplaces and all of those things where everybody brings out their best. And Kelly, I have to tell you this funny story. I didn't tell you this before we started recording, but... I, you know, you're talking about how you and I, we've used our blogs for memory storage. <laughs> so I was thinking, because I knew we were going to talk about some of our favorite recipes, and I was like, I, I need to go check the blog. I need to go check Sort of Crunchy and see what recipes I actually enjoyed enough to put on the blog. So I was looking through all of my recipe archives on Sort of Crunchy. I came across a post from April of 2010 when I was doing a Sort of Crunchy Q&A series. So obviously... <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm I really, it's really important to me that people ask me <laughs> ask me questions. <laughs> this, this is a theme. This <laughs> is like the recurring theme of my life. I don't I feel like probably somebody out there can psychoanalyze that. <laughs> what I what did I not get in childhood? <laughs> that I need for people to ask me questions. Anyway, April 2010, Sort of Crunchy QA. I have in there that I had a question from Kelly at Lovewell, and the question that you asked me was, um, what are your food preferences, <laughs> and are you sort of crunchy there as well? And I just started laughing when I saw that. I was like, this is perfect, because you and I do talk about food a lot. <laughs> yeah. So here we go. Well, we did not have a specific question from a listener to... Um, to cover this week, but we just thought that the timing was right to talk about food and in the Hangout group on Facebook, menu planning, recipe sharing. These are topics that come up a lot. So we Mm -hmm. thought, let's just go ahead and cover it on the show. So Kelly, I wanted to start with you. Um, We have talked about this several times on the show. You and I both have four children and we are both the oldest of four children. So we kind of have some similarities going on in our background and current life. I would love to hear kind of What did food prep, what did um, cooking and eating and recipes and all of that stuff, what did that look like in childhood for you on up into when you got married and, and started a home of your own? Well, the funny thing is, is that
1: they were in some ways very opposite, which is kind of interesting when you look back on it. My mom is a fantastic cook and a from scratch cook. Uh, very American cook, you know, meat and potatoes, that sort of um, cooking. But yet just love, she really loves to cook and love to um, cook special meals. And she loved to bake. We always had homemade cookies, you know, that sort of thing. So just grew up eating um, pretty healthy, you know, I mean, healthy for the 80s, I guess. You know, sometimes you look back and you think, wow, that, you know, she is famous for making this barbecue beef brisket. It's not like Texas brisket would be. It's not right. smoked. It's it's a braised brisket, so mm-hmm. you would cook it in the oven. Um, and she would put this barbecue sauce on it, and it was all of our favorites. So that was often the meal that we would request for our birthdays. And now we laugh because the barbecue sauce that she used for that was it's Old Pit, <laughs> I think it's called. It's basically... High fructose corn syrup and red dye number ten. Oh yes, the good you know step. like it, yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> so now as an adult, I'm like that was like our favorite meal, you know. So there's, it's healthy with a twist, you mm-hmm. know. I think we know more today. I'm sure. Even mm-hmm. back then, I remember her telling me we needed to use margarine for everything, you know. Oh, and yeah. now it's mm-hmm. it's not that. Um, but for the most part, it was really we ate as a family um, most nights. Um, food also was a mild obsession and a centerpiece of our family and our family memories. You know, we um, always celebrated by eating together. Um, that was the thing that you did. And you know, lots of times, like, I think the holidays have come to be somewhat, you know, Thanksgiving, the whole point of the day is the meal. Right. So that was often the way it was for lots of things. You know, the whole point of our birthday was to get to that birthday meal. The whole point of the 4th of July was like, yeah, fireworks, but let's talk about what we're having for dinner. And even now my siblings and I, we laugh because when we get together, all of us with our, you know, our own children and things, The topic of conversation often is, what are we eating next? Where are we going to go to eat? What are we going to have for dinner? And like, it's just that thing that we think about. It's a natural part of our lives. Um, But then by the time I got to my married life, I guess maybe because I was so used to my mom cooking and she would try to teach me, but I was, you know, a teenager and like, yeah, I don't really, you know, I know how to make chocolate chip cookie dough and scrambled eggs. I'm good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't cook much when Corey and I got married, but maybe that's the next part of the story. What about you
0: and your childhood? That is so interesting because as I'm listening, we had totally opposite experiences. Okay. Um, my mom, I don't think I've ever talked about this on the show. I've mentioned it in my writing here and there, but my mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was two. And again, I'm the oldest of four. And so that was something that she had kind of, had to learn how to navigate as both, um, you know, just as a person, but then also as a mom for many years. So, um, anybody who has autoimmune disease can probably relate to this, but the evening hours from three to on towards bedtime were really difficult for her. She was usually very drained of energy by the end of the day. So growing up, although my mom grew up with a mother who was a fantastic cook, cooked everything from scratch, my grandmother, was amazing. Um, in the kitchen, uh, just like you were talking about, just that classic Midwestern American mm-hmm. cook. My mom grew up in Kansas City, um. So it wasn't that she didn't know how to cook, but by the time I can remember, you know, sort of in elementary and onward, we ate a lot of quick and easy meals. So a lot of convenience foods, a lot of like hamburger helper mm-hmm. and fish sticks and <laughs> oven fries and stuff like that, which. Um, when I was growing up, I mean, we, of course, we didn't really know any different when we were kids, but as I got older, I was like, oh, fish sticks again. I can't yeah. deal with the thought. <laughs> and also, as I got older, my sister, my next youngest sister, um, Emily, and I were responsible a lot more for helping in the kitchen, which was actually great. Um, that really helped us be prepared to move out on our own. And so, and also, my dad did all of the grocery shopping. Um, again, it would just, for the most part, would wear my mom out to try to do a grocery shopping trip. So it was very normal on a Saturday for my dad to head to the grocery store. Again, you know, family of six come home with just like a carload of groceries and we'd all carry it in. So food prep, And the whole thing of eating was always very family centered. It was not always that my mom was at the center of all of it. She was as much as she could. But that's always kind of, it's always been sort of a collective. We definitely always ate together as a family every night. I don't know. I mean, looking back, I think that our holiday meals were often shared with extended family as often as possible. And so it was kind of that collective of everybody bring your best recipes and let's feed all these people type thing. So when, Kyle and I got married. We got married right before our senior year of college. So when we got married, we moved into married student housing in our little state school. So we had the oh, cinder block walls. I had a tiny little galley kitchen. There are, pro- there are studio apartments in Manhattan that had bigger have bigger <laughs> kitchens than we had, I'm sure. Teeny tiny little kitchen. But I was determined to make these elaborate homemade from scratch meals from the day we got married. Now, Kyle's mom is a fantastic cook. She is a wonderful cook. As I mentioned on the show last week, when we got married, she gave me a box full of their family's favorite recipes. Um, Their family, their cultural connections to food are really strong. My mother-in-law is Czech. My uh, father-in-law's family is German. And there's just, there's a lot of that cultural element of cooking the sort of traditional meals, not like for any other reason than this is just what we have. Like, this is what right. we cook. So I gladly took on a lot of those traditions and learned how to make those things because I didn't really have that sort of cultural identity to mm-hmm. relate to. So anyway, so I started cooking these elaborate meals, start to finish, scratch. Also, my mother-in-law always so serve dessert for every single meal. So I thought, well, you got to have a homemade dessert for every meal. Kyle and I, when we were newlyweds, our first few years of marriage, we just packed on the weight (laughs) because we had gone from eating, you know, the junky food that college kids eat to now we had a full kitchen and I was cooking all the time. I loved it. So yeah, so I cooked a lot. Well, then Kyle started coaching. He coached college football for 11 years. And when he started coaching it was really just me by myself a lot of the time. So sometimes I would make a meal, but then when we moved to Fort Worth um, after we'd been married for a few years and I was teaching and Kyle was coaching and he was never home for meals, then I just kind of stopped cooking for a while because it's no fun to cook just for yourself a lot of the time. So I would just get like, lean cuisines and other like little freezer meals. And I was like, oh, here I am back to (laughs) healthy choice, Yes, healthy choice, (laughs) back to convenience food. But that's what just made sense because it was just me for a while. So that's sort of my history of cooking. Um, I did, I learned how to out of necessity from a fairly early age, but really started to enjoy it when we got married.
1: Yeah. And that's like you said, it's a little bit of the opposite. So it was probably the second half now of our marriage um, that I have started to really enjoy cooking. And it's become something that's a little bit of a passion of mine. I mean, you know, you said we talk about it. And back way at the beginning when you said, what's that one thing you can never stop talking about? Weather is absolutely it. But food would come in probably a close second because whether you're talking about it from a healthy eating standpoint, just, you know, what do people want? You're trying to avoid this or get more of that dealing with it with kids or just the sheer love of it, just for the flavors. And there, there are a few things that bring me so much joy on a daily, you know, small things basis as cooking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you have shared some incredible recipes, both on the show and on your blog. So not only do you enjoy it, but you're really good at it too. So, Well, and I
1: am, but I have to put the disclaimer out there just so people know. I am a follower of recipes. Oh, me too. I yes. I very rarely like just go, huh, I got chicken and peanut butter and lemons. Yeah. I know what I'll make. Like, uh-uh. I- I'm just now starting to get to the point where I don't measure my salt Like, I, you know, like I, I just more of a follower and I think I just didn't trust myself, whatever. Um, so all the recipes on my blog that I share, I may have tweaked them a little, but they came from somewhere. I am not a recipe (laughs) inventor. I have friends who do that. I am in
0: complete and utter awe of them that they can just do that. Yes, I have to. I suppose I should share part of Kyle's food story as well, because he is a major part of what we eat around here, because he is one of those cooks who can just go into the kitchen. Even if I think the cupboards are bare, he can just poke around in the fridge and the cabinets and just put together a whole thing, and it's delicious. But he grew up, again, like I said, his mom's a fantastic cook, but um, he was not in the kitchen very much. He was never one of those kids that wanted to be in there kind of um, helping alongside his mom. He was always out playing, of course. And mm-hmm. so... And when we were newlyweds and before we had kids, he just, I mean, again, he just was not home very much at all. So all of that changed though, actually, when, so when we lived in Fort Worth, Kyle was coaching at TCU, but then he got hired onto the staff at Texas State University in San Marcos. And he had to go, he got hired in January and I had to stay in Fort Worth to finish out my teaching year. And so he went and lived with another coach on staff down in San Marcos while I stayed in Fort Worth. Well, this coach that he lived with was from Louisiana. Now, I don't know if you've ever met families or gentlemen from Louisiana, but cooking men and cooking go together really well there. My brother has lived in Louisiana for a long time and has transformed into an amazing cook while he has lived there. So he lived with this other coach who cooked all the time. They would coach and be in meetings all day. They'd leave the office at about ten at night, head to the grocery store, load their grocery cart up. it was It was just like three coaches that were living together as every all the families kind of got resettled and all of that, and they would load up on food, go back to this coach's house, cook until eleven or midnight, and just like every night was a feast. <laughs> wow that's Just so food. cool and, though yeah yeah they had a great time and kyle learned so much from him and that really kind of gave him the bug to start learning how to cook so it was while we were living in san marcus um that kyle really started cooking and kind of discovered that he's really good at it. And he can come up with recipes on his own. And in fact, quite a few of the recipes I've shared on my own blog are things that he has just come up with, just invented. So around our house, I do a lot of the cooking during the week That is not unusual on the weekends then for Kyle, just because it's fun and he likes it Mm -hmm. and it's a good stress reliever. It's a fun hobby for him. He will still, he'll go on Saturday morning, not get the week's groceries, just get the weekend's groceries (laughs) of what he wants to cook and feeds us, feeds our neighbors, uh, feeds friends. We just have a really good time with food in large part because he really enjoys it. So- he has the time and energy then on the weekends right. to do all of that. It so. restores
1: him. Yeah. That's it funny. I, I am the only cook in our family and I'm okay with that because I do enjoy it so much. I'm a little like controlling, protective of it. Like, oh, this is what I do. This is my time. <laughs> this is my thing. Like, I don't really need you to come in here and get interested in this because this is kind of my own little thing that I get to do every day. I don't want you to
0: come in here and, and say, I'll cook tonight. It would take some of the joy away from me. So do you, do you like when your kids are in the kitchen? Are you one that wants to have kids at the countertop? Or are you kind of like, okay, thank you for measuring the flour. Now you <laughs> well, can go. Well, <laughs> yes
1: and no. I mean, they are. My kids all love to be in the kitchen with me some. Um, but yeah, I am a little bit like, that's, that's not how you cut the onions, honey. You know, like, Or they're, there's, there's, you know, they want to stir even just like cookie batter and stuff and they're splattering the powder out and I'm like, oh, so I, my favorite thing is just to cook kind of unencumbered, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. if Corey can be home or be done with his work in time to, you know, play Uno or take kids outside so that I could, I put on my Pandora station, Mm -hmm. um, It's like a little jazzy music. Like I pretend like I'm in a little cafe somewhere in Paris. Like it's just my fun thing. It's my fun rejuvenating time. It isn't if it's that witching hour thing. right? Um, And certainly when the kids were younger, it was almost always that. So you kind of had to grit your teeth and get through it instead Mm -hmm. of it being something life-giving. But Corey, which is, this is interesting since he's, I mean, not to always go back to Myers-Briggs, but he's an INTJ too. But he's so, I think. (laughs) <laughs> he's not he's like the opposite minnesota men must be like the opposite of louisiana <laughs> men
0: like that makes up sense. Here. geographically man, speaking it makes yes, sense <laughs> yes. and,
1: and cory was adopted so he doesn't even have like the swedish um sort of you know scandinavian roots that is very common in this part of the country generally speaking um like his family who adopted him is but he's just uber practical like so he's just it's about sustenance for him yeah. um he certainly had to learn to adjust being married to me because i'm like oh my word the, the basil do you smell the basil and he's like i do <laughs> you know so now he's kind of learned to play with me but when we first got married this is true he had been a bachelor living in los angeles for five years living with guys mm-hmm. all of them were surfers you know like they were dudes yeah so his meal that he would often make, he would just buy the things on the shelf and combine them all. So one time he actually tried to combine Dinty Moore stew, hormel, um, corned beef hash, and like a can of baked beans. Oh, wow. Like he's like, that'll fill me. And he dumped them all in together. <laughs> Heated them up. I'm like, you did open the cans, right? Like, you knew that much. Yeah. <laughs> I, I dumped them all in the pot and he ate it. Oh, and he's like, it really disgusting. Burning my stomach. To sleep. I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, okay. So the good news is that when I got married and I didn't cook much, like, ragu was a huge step up for him. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. He's yeah. like, obviously, this is your thing. You take that ball and run with it. And so I have. So here, here's where we are today, where he has now taught himself to make fried eggs and my kids love dad's fried eggs more than anything that mom could possibly make in the morning in the kitchen cuz that's like the only thing he makes. Um and I'm
0: okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, and then to cooking when you have kids, I mean, I think sometimes it if you do enjoy cooking and you really are excited about and proud of what you've made and then you serve it to your kids and kids palates not being very well developed I'm just giving lots of grace here you are (laughs) you know it's just it's a bummer though I can't tell you how many nights where I have worked really hard to get like you said I've got toddlers underfoot during the that witching hour time and I've worked really hard and I've put together something I'm pretty proud of and then I serve it and the girls are like oh how much of this do I have to eat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it kind it's of true. sucks the joy out of it a little bit, but it does. I don't know we just keep plugging away, I guess, in hopes yeah. that they'll come around eventually.
1: Well, and you know, I actually have gotten kind of lucky. And this is one of those weird life things that, you get handed those lemons and you go, actually, this makes some pretty sweet lemonade. So as I've said, my husband travels for work. He goes to Washington, D.C. every week, usually in the middle of the week, but it can it can vary. Um, he's traveled for years and years and years. So now this is just the most consistent travel of, of him being gone. So what has happened in my world is that I do love to cook, but I'm not going to waste my good cooking even the ingredients and the time when I only have kids sitting at my table yes. to have them go, ew, <laughs> ew, <laughs> right. Jimmy Fallon, right? Yes. I have started to kind of take my, maybe a new recipe or my more adult, if you will. I don't cook down to my kids, you know, like you're going to try it, um, but save those for the times when Corey's home. Yeah. And then when he's gone, I take myself off the hook a little bit. And I say, I'm still going to cook because there were at the beginning and certainly with younger kids, there was a time when I said, I've just got to survive. I was in survival mode, you know? Sure. So I've just got to feed them something that's quick and somewhat nutritious. And that's a really wide berth at that time. You know, chicken nuggets are protein. Mm -hmm. Amen. And let's go with that. You know, so you know, it was that sort of thing. And then as they got a little bit older and we were still in the season of travel, I said, well, I kind of, I want to do a little bit more. So I I experimented and kind of found where we are now, which is a sweet spot of, I still cook on the nights that Corey's gone versus, you know, always ordering pizza. Um, but I do it in a very kid friendly way. So the kids get half of the week of kind of more kid centric meals and then the other half it's adult meals so when they turn their nose up i'm like i have no sympathy for you right. you know last night we had cheesy rice and chicken drumsticks uh-huh you know yes. with broccoli on the side or you can pick your vegetable lots of times i even let my kids when my husband's not here i want them to eat a vegetable every night but it's just we have a pretty well stocked fridge of you know raw veggies so i'm like if you don't really want to eat the broccoli then go get yourself some carrots you know i have two boys who are like <laughs> they would eat carrots but that's pretty much it but then when dad's gone I'm not going to fight them on that. At least they got a vegetable, you know? Right. So then the next night when you have to actually eat the um, roasted broccoli or the grilled asparagus, this is your night to to try that, you know? So that's been kind of a nice, it's just the way it fell into my laps to be able to, to balance some of those things. I think you could probably even do that. Even if your husband wasn't traveling or your spouse wasn't traveling just because you could say, I'm just going to do this tonight as a more kid friendly meal, or I even have some friends who will,
0: kind of feed their kids uh-huh. if they're little or they have a really early bedtimes and then they'll eat afterwards. Yeah. Kyle, as and the I, adult meal. We definitely did that for years when the girls were little. Um, especially when we still lived in Texas, when the girls were little, little, we would feed them their dinner or whatever. And then Kyle would, you know, grill steaks and mm-hmm. roast vegetables for after they had gone to bed, when we could have a real grown up meal, we kind. I guess as I think about it, we kind of do a version of that as well. Because again, like I said, I cook most weeknights. Kyle, mm-hmm. because he came up under Louisiana cooking, a lot of what he cooks is pretty spicy. Mm-hmm. And whatever he cooks, and if it's spicy, we still want the girls to try it because that's how you acquire a taste for those things. Of course None of it's, you know, it's not like we're <laughs> abusing them with making them, you know, <laughs> have like all this hot sauce or anything, but it's, it's got a little spice and a little depth of flavor to it. And so we want them to learn to eat and appreciate those things as well. The twins are kind, definitely kind of still in that realm where more often than not, first of First of all, I'm usually feeding them before anybody else because their schedule is just a little bit different. But it is a lot of toddler-friendly food because Mm -hmm. I'm still in that thing of just like, can we just get some nutrition into your body? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It will worry about acquiring a taste for real food later. So Mm -hmm. we are totally And that's
1: okay. I think that's the cool thing too that I've learned having now been on this side of four kids going through toddlerhood is they will live and you will live. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes if what they will eat... Are cheese sticks and grapes? Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. You know, like if they're okay going with it, like just keep offering it. I think when they get a little bit older, we've actually kind of gotten into some eh, loosey Goosey sort of rules. Like when once you hit kindergarten, like you have to eat this. Do you have to eat, just try it, and then you can move on? Those sorts of things. I mean, different families come up with all sorts of different scenarios to fit their kids. But I think when they're toddlers, you know, four and under even, maybe three for sure and under, just whatever works and give yourself grace as the parent is dealing with that. You know, like it's, it's a hard age and they've got a lot going on. It's one battle that I think we don't have to fight on the front lines.
0: That is my philosophy as well. Okay. So let's get into some specifics. Let's talk recipe hits and recipe Misses um let's do our misses first yeah, Our the uh, recipe flops um i have a, <laughs> I have a story to tell on myself um from a long time ago. I can't remember i I feel like we were living in Texas at the time, and I don't know what possessed me to try this. Oh, I know what it was when we when we were um, living in Texas, we went through a time when Kyle was first coaching full-time that we, are, we were on a shoestring budget. And so I got into a really big frugal cooking kick. I am not a frugal person by nature, but I was just I was determined to get that grocery bill down as low as it could go. So I had come across a recipe for making a sort of knockoff of a pulled pork barbecue sandwich. But to make it frugal, which pork isn't that expensive anyway, really, I don't know. But to make it a little healthier, supposedly, and a little more frugal. <laughs> this is going to sound so stupid. I can't believe I'm telling this story out loud. The recipe, I'm actually blushing right now. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Oh, this is good. And I'm leaning in. <laughs> the recipe called for instead of using pork to use canned tuna. With barbecue what? sauce, I want you to just stop right now where you are. I want you to think about <gasps> tuna and barbecue sauce. <laughs> and then so, hopefully you're not reaching for the garbage can yes.
1: to retch and do it. <laughs> that is almost as bad as the Moore stew.
0: It is. In fact... has. What in the world, Megan? <laughs> when you were telling that story, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I think my barbecue tuna story might be up there. <laughs> <laughs> barbecue tuna right there okay the worst the worst part is the worst part I mean actually that that's awful barbecue sauce tuna to make a knockoff pulled pork sandwich but even worse than that Kyle comes home to eat and I was just gonna pass it off like <laughs> like it was a pulled pork sandwich have you tried it probably
1: not no like you did, like sample it and you're just gonna like slide it across the counter and kind of see what happens yeah I
0: was just gonna like serve it up like okay let's sit down and eat and so I did I put it on buns and you know I don't know what else I had going on with it but we sit down to eat and Kyle takes a bite it's like what is that tuna <laughs> I can't breathe <laughs> that's funny i'm not sure i know he spit it out i feel like there may have been some retching involved as well (laughs) (laughs) it was one of the few times kyle has had to endure a lot of recipe experiments for me because i love to try new recipes Mm. that was one of the few times he's like no this is inedible we're ordering a pizza (laughs) okay (laughs) so bad and so to this day to this day he teases me about it and even if i have a recipe flop now he's like well That was not my favorite, but, but it was still better than barbecue. (laughs) So let it, let that be a word of warning to you all. Yeah. And that's (laughs) funny
1: because that's very similar to Corey and I, he is, he will eat obviously almost anything, (laughs) obviously. Right. So he is so gracious. He knows, he knows I love to cook. I mean, it, like you said, he might say it's not my favorite, um, but for the most part, he never complains and he doesn't say he just is like, go for it. So there was, though, this one time <laughs> it isn't always when you're like early married. Bless us um, because I didn't cook. We moved about nine months after we got married to Phoenix. And so I was like, what am I going to do? My mom, I think I got in a cookbook, you know, for a a wedding shower. Like probably, is it Betty Crocker or is it Better Homes and Gardens? the one that's like the red and white checked. Uh I think everybody has one of those mostly. Um, And it's good because it's a lot of just basic recipes. Like, you know, things, most people, like how do you make mashed potatoes or baked potatoes? I don't even know. Like, what am I doing? So it has all those really basic things. I also took one of my mom's cookbooks with her permission that she wasn't using anymore. It was from when she had first gotten married. So it's an early 60s, I'm sorry, early 70s cookbook.
0: Uh
1: It was called Cooking for Two. And I loved it when I was a kid because it had all these fascinating cultural things in it. Like the first chapter of it was like how to set a table for a tea oh, how to set a table yes. for a women's luncheon and all these things so it was assuming like you were it was very 1950s mm-hmm. very 1950s so how to put the flowers on the table for your husband when he comes home from work you know so it was cooking for two it was very sweet so in there they had a little and what they would do is not just have recipes but they would have a whole meal planned. So it was like cooking for company. So then that was when you brought made the, you know, pot roast and yes. and it would have the the jello salad and then the dessert like you said and then this is how you would want to set the table for that. So they had one chapter that was on saving money, like frugal cooking. So we also had a time when we were being very frugal That was when we ate like a whole month's worth of like French toast, pancakes, waffles, French toast, pancakes, waffles, you know, things that were easy and very inexpensive. And I thought I would surprise him in this very lean season for us and make a recipe from this book. And it's very nineteen fifties. Have you ever seen uh, the one of the very first blogs I ever read it was written by a man, he's a columnist here in the Twin Cities, and he has a gallery of the most regrettable foods. And it's like <laughs> the 1950s. People send him recipes, they send him pages from magazines. I mean, it's like people used to put tuna in jello. Oh, like unflavored oh. like gelatin, yeah. like as a cold salad. I mean, like things like that, where you're like, oh no, 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 no. Who thought of this? You know, it's (laughs) horrid sorts of things. It's hysterical though. And his commentary is funny. It was that kind of a recipe. You made biscuits, which of course I was cooking with Bisquick. So it was Bisquick biscuits for Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And then you were making a cream sauce that had stuff in it to put on top of the biscuits. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I grew up, my mom is from like Kentucky, kind of the Ohio Valley region. I don't know if it's, I think it's more of a Southern thing actually, chipped beef on toast. Mm. So it was like, it was horrible budding beef. <laughs> it's like a dollar for 10 packages at the grocery store. <laughs> we would cut it up and she would make like a white sauce and put it in there. We would have toast and we would eat yeah. this like, uh-huh. meat sauce. I think you could, I'm sure you could do it with tuna, not barbecue sauce, <laughs> but tuna and a white sauce. So this was the same idea, only in, to keep it even more frugal. You put in peas and um, hard-boiled eggs. Oh, wow. And maybe some tuna. Uh-huh. So- I don't really even know what I'm doing. So like the hard boiled eggs are way overcooked. You know, they're green. The peas are old. The biscuits are kind of burned. It was so gross and gluey. And like I served it and we all, we kind of looked at it. It's like gray things oh. on your plate oh. with a sludge on top, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, hi, dear. This is what I paid for doing a special meal for us. <laughs> it's it's great. That's not an easy color to attain in the cooking world. We both tried to eat it, and then we pretty much collapsed in laughter. He's like, I'm sorry. You know I will eat anything, but I can't even eat this. Like, I'm not even sure it qualifies as food. <laughs> it was oh, so bad. So we goodness. did. We, we threw it away, even on our very limited budget, knowing we
0: were throwing protein away. But it was that bad. That is funny yes well if you're listening and you have your own tales of recipe flops please tell them to us either on Twitter or on Instagram on Facebook because I know Kelly and I would love to be comforted to know that we are <laughs> not the only ones who have put together something completely inedible in the kitchen okay well those are our flops let's talk about some of our hits um, some of the things that we do really well Kelly I know this is sort of your forte so I would love to hear what some of your top dishes, your go-to dishes that you feel like you can pull off pretty easily.
1: Well, I would say they're different depending on if I'm cooking for the whole family or just the kids. Um, I would say, I said this last time. So if you missed the last episode with me, my sort of awesome of the week was slow cooker salsa, chicken tacos. And that's still, it remains a go-to for me all year long. It's super easy. Something that takes seven ingredients, no prep, face basically and then you can make a double size portion you can freeze part of it you can do so much with it and what i've come to learn is that i love doing things like that where you can make a big mess of meat somehow and then you can use that to to do other things yes. so i have a pulled pork recipe mm-hmm. that i love you know it's actually it's involves actual pork actual
0: pulled pork yes
1: real pork <laughs> i don't think that they meant tuna when they said the other white meat you know <laughs> um it's pork, and I I've actually come to make my own barbecue sauce that I really love. Um, I would say, and I've shared this recipe on the board as well. Is um, something that people know me for in the summer: Cajun turkey burgers. Mm-hmm. So those are a little bit spicy, like you said, but turkey burgers—they're super easy to make, and I love to bake. So I am known if people invite me over somewhere, if we're going to have a meeting of people who like to cook, I will almost always jump all over dessert. Uh, just because I always... It's embarrassing, actually, when I go through a food magazine, like, oh, there's some good... Every dessert has got like a little dog-eared page on that. Like, Uh yeah, I I can't cook all of these or I would weigh 500 pounds. (laughs) My kids would eat nothing but sugar. So I always have a large stash for each season of cooking, baking dessert recipes that I want to try. So um, I loved to bake.
0: I love to bake, too. One of my recipe hits that I just shared on the show last week is that chocolate cake. When I was a guest on the Popcast, I'll pop a link into the show notes. I can't remember what episode number it was, but when they asked me to come on that show, they asked, one of the questions they asked me was, what do you do well or do better than anybody else? And I said on the show, and I do think this, that I make really great stovetop popcorn, really good. Um, I pop it in coconut oil, not for any kind of health benefit although it is healthy, coconut oil is, but because it just gives a little tiny hint of sweetness to the popcorn. Okay. And then I use real batter and sea salt on it, and it is so good. So good. And then another thing that I make really well, um, and I will put a link in the show notes to this because I have actually put it on Sorta of Crunchy, is a German um, sort of like a a meat pie type thing, okay. you know, like every culture mm-hmm. kind of has a meat pie. Mm-hmm. Well, the German version of that is called Beer Rocks. My mother-in-law uh, is makes them really well, and I got the recipe from her. We don't make them very much because I've never – we kind of do more like gluten-free a lot, or we sometimes try to stay – we especially kind of stay grain-free during the week. Um, so I've never really found a great replacement for that. I don't make them very often, but the girls love beer rocks and Kyle actually still likes them too. I do too. So I will put a link in the show notes to that. And then another thing, I know this sounds so silly. It's so basic, um, such a basic recipe that most anybody can put together, but I think I make really good scrambled eggs. Mm. Hey, you know what though? There's an art to a good
1: scrambled egg. Colton Brown has like a whole like three minute video because he says most people do them wrong.
0: So what do you do? Okay. So my secret to scrambled eggs, the way I do it is, um, first of all, when you're, you, so you scramble your eggs in a bowl, you want to add in a dash of cream, real Mm. cream and whip that into into your eggs as you're scrambling them in the bowl and then i like to cook them again coconut oil i didn't realize this was such a big part of my (laughs) kitchen uh secrets but i like to get the skillet out and i cook them in coconut oil i like to get the coconut oil nice and hot and then pour the eggs in that have been mixed with cream and then as they're cooking you want to and after i get the oil nice and hot i turn the heat down low Mm -hmm. so they can scramble really nice and slow in the skillet it and then salt and pepper them as they're cooking i like them just like that now kyle likes to add shredded cheddar cheese to his um and i like that okay but i like him just the eggs cream salt and pepper so good and the, all of my kids really like them too so and you know what there is a i really have
1: come back around to eggs recently yeah. because there's such a great protein source they Are. And I would read interviews with chefs, whether it was like from Food Network or just, you know, people that you wouldn't recognize by name or profile, but they are very well known in the cooking world. And so many of them said, like if they said, what's the thing that you cook for you? Eggs. It was eggs because they get home late at night and they say, I am exhausted. I don't want to cook anything. But to make a really good scrambled egg or, you know, a poached egg on toast or something, it was kind of that comfort food. It is. Um, and I, I think that we sometimes go, Oh, I'm having breakfast for dinner again. But you know what? It's good. And it's it good for good. you. And so I started to make more egg dishes to be able to put in my kids' lunches even right. since they don't like sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Um it's just I love a really good scrambled egg, like you're, you're saying, I have to tell you, okay, so here's one thing. Somebody asked me, so that is actually one of those secrets I feel like to share with somebody if they were like, oh, I don't know what to cook. Don't overlook eggs. But here's one other little secret I found to cooking both for my kids and for um, my husband, no matter what kind of meal I'm cooking. And it is this, to keep a pork loin in my freezer at all times so that oh. I can get that out. Um, if you know what I'm talking about, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're thin, they're thin, Um, So they cook really fast. I buy them at Trader Joe's and they are marinated. So I get a flavored one. That's the peppercorn garlic. Um, That baby defrosts really quickly. So if I'm ever having a busy day and I'm thinking, oh, we we need something to eat. We've ordered out too much, whatever it is. um, Having that pork loin in the freezer is such a quick defrost It cooks up, I mean, in half an hour. I have a recipe, and we can maybe throw that into the show notes. It's not even really a recipe as much as it is directions, of using a cast iron skillet, and you put it in the oven as it's preheating so it's hot. And then you drizzle a little oil. You pop that baby of the pork loin in there. You can even make it into a C-shape if you need to. It cooks in probably 15 minutes. You can put that with rice, with pasta, with some sweet potatoes and some veggies and boom you have dinner. Yes. And so that has become a trick for me. I always as soon as I use my pork loin from my freezer, I put that right back on my Trader Joe's list because it's been so nice to have. It's such it's just like one of those quick easy dinners that yeah. doesn't really involve a recipe, but especially the one that I get that's and I know that Hormel, I know other places do a flavored pork loin. We can get lemon and you know just all sorts of different um sauces that it's already marinated and it's super easy and just a really yummy sort of easy thing to do for dinner
0: that is a fantastic secret and even if you don't have kids if you live on your own or if you mm-hmm. it's just you and a partner pork loin is one of those great things you can cook it like that and then i will often do this because i love pork loin and it is so packed with protein it's Fantastic um, source of protein, but you can, I'll cook one for dinner and then I'll eat the leftovers for lunch for the next few days. So a pork loin is one of those you can definitely cook up and then have, make several meals out of. So I'm really glad that you mentioned that because the last thing that we were going to talk about on the show is meal planning. Mm -hmm. And we had a fantastic discussion in the Hangout group about different approaches to meal planning, whether you use an app, if you use good old-fashioned pen and paper. And one of the things that I have found, I for many years, I was a very detailed meal planner. I would plan out every meal that I was going to make, the main dish, the sides, everything and have this really detailed grocery list. I don't know if it's just the fact that I have four kids now or if I'm just old and lazy or what. <laughs> I really don't plan my meals that way anymore. I'm more of like I know I know I can grab a pork loin. I know I can grab a tray of chicken thighs. I know I can pick up ground mm-hmm. beef and I can find stuff in my kitchen that will make a meal that everybody's happy with. So I'm almost on the opposite end of where I used to be. I used to be really strategic, really detailed. And now I'm more like lackadaisical. Like these are my greatest hits that I always get, like you with your Trader yep. Joe's, Trader Joe's um, pork loin. When I go to the grocery store, I almost don't even need a list because I'm like, we need this, we need this, we need this. And I will put together our family favorites with this stuff. So, right. But you looked into some of the suggestions that came from the hangout group thread. So you wanted to share, and I would love for you to share some of the things that our community talked about as helpful in meal planning. Yeah. I also have
1: a pretty good system of meal planning, kind of like you. It has gone to less structure Um, A little bit more free-floating. I still do write down my food because otherwise I find, I think like a lot of people, whoever cooks for your family or just even if you're cooking for you, if you put it off until 5 p.m., it becomes this all overwhelming, panicky, deer in the headlights sort of thing. So just to know in the morning what I'm going to be making tonight is a huge stress reliever for me, so just to have that planned out, Um, but it is usually just like a main course. It does tend to be a little bit repetitive. Um, I'm always throwing in a couple new things, but just being realistic about how much time I really have, what the kids will eat, um, and that sort of thing. So I love to look into like this group discussion that we had in the hangout group about what other things are out there. So several people mentioned kind of more, and I didn't even know these existed, subscription based meal planning services. So, you know, they, they cost, you know, a few dollars or whatever per month. And of course there's all sorts of ways you can, you can bring those costs down. But one that several people mentioned was fresh 20. Um, I think it gets the name because they say that you can go shopping. You can get their five meals, 20 ingredients, the grocery store, it's fresh. It's more of, you know, you're not using convenience foods for it. Um, Marissa mentioned that one. Um, several people mentioned plan to eat, which is a, a website and an app it actually lets you use your own recipes so you can import them from all sorts of different services that are online or probably even upload them and then it will help you and let you fill them in on a calendar Um, and then it will even like read those recipes and consolidate a grocery list for you so brianne ellie rachel lindsay a bunch of people in the group said oh i love that like it's money but it's money that's well worth it because it's helping me get all this information, which I mean is true. We have the old hardcover cookbooks, we have Pinterest, we have online sites, um, all the blogs. So it's just nice to be able to consolidate it. Um another app is Pepper Plate. Um both Krista and Katie mentioned that. It's another one that will help you manage your recipes and your create menus and that grocery list. And then there were a couple um emails was mentioned by Jessica and Angie and Prep Dish by Dahlia or both Helping you come up with those ideas for the actual recipes. So the cool thing about all these subscription services is that you can say, well, I eat gluten-free, or I'm looking for a vegetarian menu, or I'm looking for, you know, family friendly or crockpot meals. So you can kind of customize a little bit what you're looking for versus, you know, sometimes those subscription services will send you stuff and you're like, I'm not going to really make any of those. Right. Like I know, like for you, you know, like, oh, that's a like cilantro salad (laughs) right?
0: (laughs) Right. Or I think my kids are
1: not going to eat fish. So whatever, whatever it is. So it's nice that you can kind of customize it. So that's a great option. Um, A couple people also mentioned some blog posts and we can link maybe directly to these in the show notes. One was by The Nester. Tracy mentioned that it's, she calls it her meal planning secret post where she gives her tips. Like we've just been both saying, this is kind of how I do it. Right. And so her tips for this is how I plan my meals at this stage of life. And she also keeps a pork loin in the freezer. I was like, yes, so smart. somebody else is um, validating me. And then our own, I guess, because she was on the show before, um, Rachel Ann, she has yeah. a post too. And it also has even printables and things where she kind of walks through how she does her meal planning. Laura mentioned that in the in the group and said that it's just really helpful to, I think it is always good to see how other people deal with this. You know, how do they take the recipes? I mean, I, I like to try to make sure we're not eating all the same thing. I'm not going to make chicken too many nights in a row. You know, I like try to mix it up ethnicity. So if we're going to have tacos, you know, tonight I'm making rice and beans. I make the beans in the crock pot um, and then I fry up some kielbasa and it's customizable. It's like a rice and bean bar for my kids. Some of them really like the rice and not so much the beans and vice versa or they like the meat. They don't like the meat. We do that. It's really easy. So it's nice to see what other people are making. I yeah. feel like so that's what some of these are, and then of course a couple of blogs were mentioned, and there are so many oh cooking goodness. blogs out there, yes. and there's so many that are well done, and people who are inventive cooks, they come up with their own recipes, and several of them, two that were mentioned in the hangout group, were Mel's Kitchen Cafe, oh yeah, and Good Cheap Eats, uh huh, um, both of those have meal plans, sample meal plans, recipes. I mean all sorts of, of food that you would want. Everything from like you said people who are really frugal and are focused on that part of cooking to people who are really, you know, focused on gluten free or paleo or whatever it might be. There you can find a blog. <laughs> a can. really good blog. Yeah. With it on there. Um, or of course Pinterest would have a ton of things like that too. And I have to say my own personal favorite for cooking is it's. It's. We'll just take a moment of silence uh, for it, it's defunct now. But it was a Martha Stewart publication called Everyday Food, and oh, it was a small yes. little cookbook. I think probably at this point half of my favorite recipes. They all come like when I pull them out of my little recipe. I still have a recipe box. They are pages torn out of those old magazines. So yes, that there are was two, a
0: fantastic resource. It was so good. And it was mm-hmm. so
1: approachable. Um. So they do have two cookbooks. I just realized. So I just checked them out from the library. So I'm going to check those out. Um. But. I think if I can say this out there, we would love to hear where you find your inspiration, um, where you find whether it's meal planning or what you cook or what you like to cook. I mean, just this little bit of crowdsourcing that we did on the Hangout was so good. And I feel like that's one of the great things about the Facebook group is it's amazing the wealth and the depth of resources we have there. So I would love to hear yes. because I love to talk about food. You could, you will never not get a
0: response from <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you're talking about food and recipes, I would love to hear your favorite blogs or your favorite recipes, and maybe I will add them to my list.
0: Please do find us to share those with us because, I mean, like Kelly said, that has been one of the most unexpected but completely awesome things about our Hangout group on Facebook is the amount of crowdsourcing that goes on. We have people asking a variety of questions like, what would you guys do about this? Or can you point me in the direction of that? And everybody in there is just so helpful and so willing to share what they know. I have learned so much in the past few months just from community members in there sharing their knowledge and expertise and their experiences. So we would love to continue this conversation with you all um in there or in any place that you can find us and speaking of that kelly we better go ahead and wrap it up by reminding everybody where we can find you all around the web okay well i'm at lovewellblog.com and
1: lovewellblog on facebook and kelly at lovewell in most other places so twitter and instagram kelly spelled out at lovewell
0: okay and if you'd like to find me You can find me at Sorta Awesome Meg on Twitter and Instagram. Like I said, you can find us in the Sorta Awesome Hangout group on Facebook by searching or going to facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. So we would love to continue this conversation with you about food, all things food. Thanks for joining us today at Sorta Awesome. Show notes for this and every episode are available at sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com. You can also sign up for the show's newsletter which includes extra tidbits of awesome by going to tinyletter.com slash sorta awesome if you're enjoying the show it would be incredibly awesome if you would subscribe rate and review the show in itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts i have to give a shout out to the band Proger for allowing us to use the song strut for our in and out music to find out more about progress nasty beats and pretty chords go to progermusic.com and I'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome.